How many of you have a problem with trust? It's funny, isn't it? On a Christmas morning, trying to figure out what trust is all about. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. I always find it such a hard thing to not want to lean on my own understanding. It seems really easy to want to put all things together that make sense to me, but I, I want to talk to you this morning about trust. In fact, I want to talk to you this morning about a couple of people who knew how to trust, I think better than anyone that I've ever met, right? And I never physically met these two, but I can tell you that they understood trust more than most. The two people I want to talk to you this morning about trust are Mary and Joseph, and you know who they are, Mary and Joseph. So will you join me this morning as we pray? God, thanks for today. We love you. Help us to learn how to trust you in all that we do, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Interesting. That first Christmas morning that took place in that inn, whatever that inn was, we know that there was no room in some other inn, and somehow they found room. We know about that first Christmas that there were cattle lowing, there were angels singing, and shepherds running, right? We knew eventually that somehow there were three kings a-coming, whether that happened that evening or a couple years down the road, we knew that there was a lot going on in that first Christmas time. There was something about that Christmas morning, though, that brought them to a place of trust that is unlike anything we've ever seen. Let me explain. Our story begins with a young couple, this Mary and Joseph, who I believe, who I believe required a trust like no other. Let me explain. Mary and Joseph were, the Bible says, betrothed. We don't talk about betrothal much anymore, but betrothal is like an engagement without an escape clause. <laughs> Today, an engagement that you would have in a relationship is easy to break. It's as, it's as easy as taking your ring off or blocking them from your socials and somehow your engagement is broken. I can tell you a betrothal is far more than that. To be betrothed was what was, what was like... Uh, it was like you were married. In fact, legally, in court, according to the law of Moses, to be betrothed meant that you were actually married. In other words, to break a betrothal then, you actually had to get a certificate of divorce. And so it was far, far bigger deal and far much more than that. A betrothal was about a six to 12 month process where two dads would come together and they would agree on uh, the, the betrothal agreement where there would be a it was called the Mohar, where literally they would come up with this, uh, uh, the amount of money that would be given for a dowry and all that business that would happen, right? And then the, the groom would take off to his father's house and he would prepare his, his, his place for his new bride-to-be would come and live eventually. That was called the Hahupa. And then there was also the bride who would go to her father's house and they would develop in her this idea of what it meant to be a wife and what it meant to be a mommy and what it meant to prepare herself and set herself apart unto the Lord. And so it's interesting, these two people had all of this massive pressure. Now, one thing you need to know, which you may or may not know, was that Mary and Joseph themselves were really young, right? I mean, they were, I'll bet you Mary was no more than 13 or 14 years old and Joseph maybe 17 or 18. And it wasn't much more. They were just kids, they were just kids. I watched the show the other night where they were showing Mary and Joseph like in their 40s, <laughs> just meeting each other. And I'm like, yeah, that wasn't all that accurate. Let me give the cultural context for this betrothal. 
for someone to be found pregnant, which Mary was, to break that betrothal meant that you not only needed to say that there was an infidelity to break the betrothal, but also there was a punishment that could happen to a woman like Mary who was, who was told to be pregnant, and we'll read it here in a minute, but also she could be punished by death, which is kind of crazy, right? So we have this young couple separated. We find out now, in fact, over in the book of Luke, chapter 1, verse 26, let me read this to you. It says this, It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, this is her auntie, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth in a village of Galilee to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged or betrothed to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. David. The angel Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God and you will conceive and you'll give birth to a son and you'll name him Jesus. He will be very great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? For I'm a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. I love that. Mary responded, listen to Mary, this young teenage girl, is what she says. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. Man, I'm, I, I just, the longer and the more I research this young couple, we don't hear much about them in the Bible except for what we see right here and what we'll read about a little bit in Matthew. There's not a whole lot about them, but the more I look at their lives and see of the cultural context of what the pressures they experienced and their age and all that happened, the more my, almost buckles my knees. I mean, they're, they're a remarkable, remarkable young couple. Uh, it's interesting. It says in Luke one twenty nine, it says, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Could there be a greater <laughs> understatement in the Bible? Confused and disturbed, I just wonder what that must have been like. This young gal who's preparing to be a mommy down the road, who's preparing to be a wife in just a short period of time, who's trying to set herself apart and be righteous before the Lord. And by the way, I don't know if you realize this or not, but during this time, this was, this was on the tail end of 400 years of silence from heaven. In other words, the nation of Israel wasn't walking in obedience. And for 400 years, there was nothing coming in as a fresh word of God. And out of nowhere, an angel shows up to this teenage girl and says, greetings, favored woman. Blows me away. Interesting. You know, it's funny. I, um, as a former Catholic boy back in the day when I was growing up, we made such a big deal about Mary. In fact, in a lot of ways, uh, it was an overemphasis, and in my opinion, it was a little too far. But I also believe that the non-Catholic side of our Christianity, if you will, does far worse in the other direction. In other words, we turned her into somebody who was just a girl, just a nobody. And I just want to tell you this. If I could swing the pendulum back to the middle just a little bit, she is special. 
I mean, she was special. It wasn't God running around saying to everybody, greetings, favored woman. We know that she was a righteous woman. We know that she sought Jesus, was sought God, rather. We know she was almost, because remember, they didn't have the New Testament, so she would have been considered a prophetess, if you will, of the Old Testament. I mean, she, she literally, she walked it out. I mean, she, I think she's at the, at the level with Deborah and with, with some of these other great women from the Old Testament. Amazing to me. Mary is amazing. You know, in that day, a woman pregnant out of wedlock, it would not have been okay. She would have been severely ostracized by her family. She would have been pushed aside by her culture. Nazareth, where they were from, was probably, gosh, less than a thousand people in the neighborhood. A, a, a bunch of people who knew people who knew people who were probably all related to each other. It's amazing to me the social pressures that she would have lived under. Hmm remarkable. It's interesting. When I think about Mary, I think about two words that kind of typified her life. And in a lot of ways, um, her, her life could almost be boiled down to two words, waiting and pain. Could you imagine your life being boiled down to two words, waiting and pain? That just sounds awful right? And I look at this, this woman, this young girl, if you will, who's taking on this yes responsibility. And by the way, she didn't, she didn't come before God and say at that point when the angel showed up, she didn't say like, hey, hey, time out. Do I get a vote here? <laughs> I, I love the fact that she just said, whatever you say, I'll do. And that's amazing. As, as I feel like anyone, anyone that I know of, including myself, would have been like, whoa, whoa, hang on a second. That's too much back off. Can we think about this? Can I talk to somebody about this? Instead, she just said, whatever you say, I'll do. Uh, it's, it's remarkable to me. Listen to this. Mary's life was fraught with waiting and pain. Between her waiting seasons, she just experienced pain. How about that? In her betrothal to Joseph, she waited for her wedding day only to find pain for not being able to be with her love, Joseph. After she found out she was pregnant, she waited for her baby to be born Isolated and alone, she experienced the pain knowing that she would walk alone the rest of her life. While Jesus, the young boy, grew, she waited 30 years for him to reveal himself to the world as the Savior. Imagine that, right? She knew all along who Jesus was. And then once that happened, the pain of being ostracized all over again would happen. Because they would say, eventually, you're just a carpenter's son. You're just a nobody. And she's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. This is, you don't understand the birth the narrative. You don't understand all of that went into it. And she knew this. And the Bible says she pondered it in this next couple of verses. She pondered it deep within her heart. She waited again at the death when he was sentenced to death for his crucifixion. And then the pain of watching her son being nailed on a cross. And she waited for his resurrection only to see the pain and perhaps the confusion that happened when he eventually ascended back to heaven. Over and over again, pain was followed by waiting. Hmm. And the more I look at Mary, the more my knees just buckle beneath me. Remarkable, remarkable. Let me talk a little bit about Joseph. Who was Joseph? Joseph was a young man. Uh, he was probably following in the footsteps of his father, it says that he was a carpenter, and we know that the word carpenter in the Greek is actually the word tecton, which could be the worker of wood. It could be the worker of stone. It actually means a craftsman, a craftsman of some sort. So we know that, that Jesus followed, or that rather Joseph 
was the father who was a tecton. And so he probably learned a trade from someone. We don't know exactly. There's all kinds of stuff. There's actually a, a stone vessel, quarry right outside of Nazareth, which could have been a place that Joseph worked. I don't know. He could have been a carpenter, like I said, of the, the things that we're used to here in the Pacific Northwest. All we can think of is trees, right? So I, I would venture to say it might have been more than just trees that he made stuff out of. We know Joseph was Jesus' earthly father. Joseph was eventually Jesus' stepdad, if you will, or rather the adopted father of Jesus. You know what I love about the fact that we, we don't talk about much that Jesus came from a blended family? But I think it's so important that we stop and look at about the fact that Jesus came from a blended family. That meant Joseph and Mary had other children, and there was this blending of this family to try to make it work. And uh, it's, to me, it's, it's remarkable when we look at Joseph and we think what he endured and he walked through and uh, the, the character and the honor. Uh, it's, it's amazing to me. Listen to this. In fact, Matthew 1.18 says this. It says, now, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé or betrothed, being a just and righteous man, decided to break the engagement quietly so as to not disgrace her publicly. Hmm. As he considered this, he fell asleep, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't be afraid to go ahead with your marriage to marry. For the child within her will be, has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son, and you're to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. All of this happened, in verse 22, all of this happened to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, Isaiah 7, 4, that says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he brought Mary home to be his wife, but he re she remained a virgin until, the son was, until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. And who is this guy? Right? Who is this guy? I mean, I think we, we get so wrapped sometimes around Christmas into our manger scene narrative that somehow we, we miss out on the humanity of these two. Who was Joseph? Man, he was a remarkable guy. It says, first of all, that he was a righteous man, right? He believed God. Imagine this 18, 19, 17-year-old young man knew God, right? So he knew his, his original family was from Bethlehem. And we know that because that's where they went to give birth to Jesus in their, their ancestral hometown. But we know that they were living in Nazareth. The, the word Bethlehem means the house of bread. Moses, or it says here that Joseph rather was a, a righteous man. So he knew his Bible. He knew that Bethlehem in Micah, the Bible says that that's where the Messiah would be born. He probably knew all of that. He knew that somehow, somewhere, I wonder if Joseph ever thought to himself, I would love to be part of that when that Messiah comes. As Micah prophesied this, I think it was 700 years or so before. It's amazing to me at how the, the mindset of this young man would have been like uh, knowing God, loving God, perhaps even praying that one day he could be part of the process. And I'm certain he never thought about the whole virgin birth thing but I got a feeling that he probably wondered if he would see the Messiah come one day. Little did he know. He was a righteous man. He was a responsive man. I love that he unquestionably spoke by saying, whatever you say, I'll do. It says he woke up the next morning and did what the angel commanded. 
Down in Matthew 2, it says, take the child and marry and go to Egypt. And then in, in Matthew 2, 19, it says, now go to the land of Israel. And then in verse 22, it says, now take the child to Nazareth. I only point those things out because Joseph walked in what I call first-time obedience. We're, we're not so good with first-time obedience. We're pretty good with complaining about stuff. Joseph just said, okay, whatever you say, I'll do. It just leads me to believe that his responsiveness to God's voice was something I think I want to emulate. The first words he heard from God or the Holy Spirit or an angel from the heaven, from heaven, he was like, okay, you say it, we'll do it. I just, I got to imagine. He was a righteous man, a responsive man. He was an honorable man. Amazing to me, right? When, when he knew that Mary was pregnant, right? He knew that, by the way, being a righteous man, he would have he, he could have taken some steps and made life really, really bad for Mary. But instead, his honor was wanting to cover. Let me tell you, the love, the Bible says love covers. Uh, to me, when I, when I read the story of Joseph, who's just this new husband, understood covering his wife. And he said, I'll cover you. When he said he wanted to put her away quietly, here's what that leads me to believe. He didn't tell people. He wasn't making a big show of it. He wasn't to say, look, it's not my fault. It ain't my thing. He just jumped in and said, I'll do whatever I can do to cover Mary because I love her. Uh, it's, it's amazing to me. He was a righteous man, a responsive man, an honorable man, and a disciplined man. Uh, how do I know he's a disciplined man? It says here that he didn't lay with his wife, even though he was married to her until after Jesus was born. That's amazing, right? He had the discipline to be able to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to honor who God is. I'm going to honor this whole process. I'm not stepping in and messing anything up. Man, these two, Joseph and Mary, were pretty remarkable people. The more we look at them, the more we see that they learned how to trust. They learned how to have faith. They learned how to walk in crazy circumstances. It just seems like the, the more I watch Mary's life, waiting and then life filled with pain and Joseph being caught off guard and then walking it out, the more I'm like, God, seriously, couldn't you have lightened it up for these two? I mean, they're like packing the load. And yet I wonder, why does God allow difficult situations to happen in each of our lives? Isn't because God wants to see us squirm. I think God allows difficulty in our lives so that we'll grow stronger, so that we'll trust him greater. Because I have this sense in my heart that God wanted, he knew what was coming. He knew that at the end of this whole journey with Jesus would be a cross. And somewhere, Mary, Joseph, the family, the disciples would all have to trust God through that process. Interesting to me as I watch this thing. But by the way, I, I, uh, I did a little deep dive into reading the Bible about Mary and Joseph as I was preparing for this message. And, and, and you don't know where it says in the Bible how Joseph found out about Mary being pregnant. Oh, we find out in verse 18 or 19, it says, Mary was with child. Then, then the miracle of miracles in verse 19, it says, Joseph then fell asleep, <laughs> right? I don't know how that happened because there would have been no sleep in opinion, my opinion. But nevertheless, we see Joseph in between verses, I think there's a lot spoken between verse eight, verses 18 and 19 that are not written in our Bibles. Literally, we find out here, it says this unspokenness, Joseph somehow hears the news about Mary being pregnant. Have you ever wondered how that happened? Did a, did a long lost cousin come and say, hey, by the way, you're, you're Mary, she's pregnant. Maybe he heard it from somewhere else, whatever. Can I just be honest with you and tell you this? This is exactly what I think happened. I think God had Mary tell him. 
I think God required Mary to do the talking. Why do I know that? Well, because if Joseph would have heard it from any other place, he would have been a responsible man because we know he was and a righteous man. He would have wanted to uphold the law of God and expose her and then deal with it. But he didn't. He didn't do any of that stuff. I think his righteousness, when she said, hey, Joseph, by the way, we don't know that's the case, but I just got to believe in my heart that Mary told him. And because of his love for Mary, because of his honor and trust in Mary, he knew she was speaking the words of the Lord. When, when he finds out, maybe she's three months along, maybe she's six months along, we don't know. I, at some level, we know that he finds out. Uh, have you ever wonder why God allows you or I to have to walk through difficult, instructive moments like that? Hey, you need to go confront, or hey, you need to go deal with, or hey, you need to confess this or that. And sometimes I'm like, God, can you just make it easy? In other words, I used to always think like, God, if Gabriel came down and told Mary she's going to be with a child, how difficult would it have been to travel a couple hundred yards over to Joseph's house and said, hey, by the way, <laughs> like it would have saved an angel trip. But God didn't do that. In my opinion, I believe God allowed Mary to deal with it. What did that do for Mary? I think it deepened her walk with God and what did it do for Joseph? I think it deepened his walk with God and with Mary. Why would they need that? Because his trust grew and their faith grew. The pressures rose because they knew at the end of this thing was a cross and it was going to be required among them that they would have a depth, a depth that only true trust and faith could make it through. Hmm. By the way, Maybe there's something God's bringing you into right now, even in this Christmas moment, where he's saying, will you trust me? If he is, then I'm telling you right now, could you just maybe just pause for a second and say, God, what do you want me to trust you in? Because you do realize that that's what this message is about, that God's bringing us all to a place of trust. We could go back singing Jingle Bells and Silent Night all you wanna, but at the same time, the message of Christmas is all about trust, right? He's bringing us to a place of intimacy and a relationship in trusting him. Sometimes we find ourselves saying, God, don't you care about my pain? I just will tell you this. God cares about your pain. He cares about your heart. He cares about every part of you. Yet I want to believe with all of my heart that God brings us to those places of trust because he wants to grow us into places of maturity that could never happen minus the waiting, that could never happen minus the pain, that could never happen minus the difficulty. And maybe that's where you find yourself today. And God's bringing you to that place on this Christmas morning and saying, will you trust me with your finances? Will you trust me with your marriage? Will you trust me with your wayward child? Will you trust me with that difficult scenario that you have to confront? Why would God do that? Because he doesn't care? No, I think it's because he does care. And he wants to bring you to that place. And maybe the biggest Christmas gift he could give you of all is for him to deepen your walk with him and your walk with people near you because he wants to grow trust in you that's what Mary and Joseph did is they, they not only trusted, but they grew in trust as they grew up. It's amazing to me when you see their, their lives. And we know at the end of this whole journey, we see Mary at the foot of the cross, but we don't see Joseph. Historians tell us that they think Joseph may have died early on in the game. And so, uh, but, but yet I, I wonder where did Jesus learn character? Where did Jesus learn how to honor? Where did Jesus learn an, an ethic? We know that he walked behind his daddy as a tecton, because the Bible says Jesus was a carpenter. So I wonder if he watched his dad deal with other people. He watched his dad deal with loss and brokenness and misunderstanding. 
He watched his mom walk with character and honor. What happened in Jesus? I think, honestly, don't remove our humanity from who Jesus is. He's fully God, but he's fully man. We got to see this Jesus grow, grow. Why? Because he watched a couple people who said, Jesus, who said, God, I'm going to trust you through it all. And maybe that's the message God has for you this morning. Will you trust me? Some of you are dealing with incredible difficulties, stuff that would buckle the knees of anyone else who knew. The pain of loss, perhaps, the pain of a hospital diagnosis, the pain of all of that. And I'm here to tell you, will you trust Jesus? So I want to pray with you as we close our time today. Can we do that? Lord, today we come and we say, we want to trust you. It's just right now as you have your eyes closed and maybe your head's bowed, I don't know, but you could say, Jesus, I want to trust you. I want to trust you with that difficult scenario I'm walking through. I want to trust you with all that I am. You just talk to him right now. Say, Jesus, I want to trust you. I want to give you all of me. I need you in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, that's what salvation is. Salvation is literally entrusting our life completely to him. And if he is who God says he is, Emmanuel, he's God with us. In other words, the trust can be done because he's with you always. Amen. Well, listen, God bless you. I hope you have an amazing Christmas this next couple days and walk this thing through. God bless you. Be encouraged today. Amen. From all of us at Puget Sound Foursquare Church, want to say we love you and... Merry Christmas!